0: Hi, my name is Peter Moe, and I'm from Tourism Maryland's Nordic office in Copenhagen. Today we will be talking about whiskey, but not just any whiskey. Teeling whiskey. And we have the perfect person with us here today to enlighten us on teeling whiskey. James Kilgannon, whiskey expert and distillery and brand coordinator at Teeling Distillery. Now, James, you're very welcome to our show today. Would you mind telling our listeners what makes Irish whiskey different from other whiskeys?
1: Uh Hi, Peter. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. As you said, I'm James Kilgannon. So I am the distillery and brand coordinator for Teeling Whiskey. So my job is to take care of the distillery, uh, which is a lot of the company when you're a whiskey distillery, and then also the brand, which is not the whiskey, but is like what you think we are, essentially, and who we are. It's also
0: a major part of the company. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's also a major part of the company. So uh yeah, I suppose it's a difficult question about like what's makes Irish whiskey kind of stand out or what's makes it special. And I suppose I've kind of battled with that and I kind of learned through that over the last six years working in the industry. I think what makes Irish whiskey stand out is multiple of different factors. So one would be the rich heritage. So we would have a rich tradition of whiskey distilling and alcohol production in Ireland whether it beer or whiskey, of course. So going back a long, long time ago, even all the way back to the Celts. So rich history to draw from, to take inspiration, to be inspired from, kind of draw information from as well. But I think it's from a flavour perspective, what makes Irish whiskey stand out is the triple distillation that a lot of Irish whiskey distilleries implement in their production processes. It just brings out inherent fruitiness to Irish whiskey and inherent smoothness to it, which stands out comparable to kind of other global whiskey styles.
0: So what does triple distillation mean? Is it just that it's been through the process three times?
1: Yeah. So I suppose when you're making whiskey, the whole whiskey industry goes back to people having too much of something. So we had the agricultural revolution. People got really good at kind of rearing animals and growing grain, growing like barley in Ireland's case in the Northern Hemisphere. You have barley and rye, you go down a little bit more closer to the equator, you start getting a much better quality kind of wheat and corn. But we got too good at it. So we had too much grain. So what do you do with too much grain that you can't eat, that you can't sell, and it's starting to go off? Well, you ferment it and you make beer. So you make beer. Uh-huh. Every country in the world does this. So then what happens when you have too much beer? and you can't sell it or you can't drink enough of it, you distill it. So you take the ancient technique of distillation, very similar to perfume production, uh, same kind of technique, and you remove the water from the actual beer, concentrating the alcohol, concentrating the flavor, and then you put that into a cask, and you get whiskey. So when you're going to put it into the cask, that distillation process, you have to do it in a pot. It's basically... People think of it as boiling, but it's not. It's more simmering. So you're kind of simmering it for about eight hours. Every distillery does it differently. The alcohol comes up and you get a higher alcohol percentage. You go from just say 8% ABV to 27, just say. Then you put all of that into your next pot and you do the exact same step. And you go from 27, maybe up to 50, 60% alcohol by volume. And that would be double distillation. So that's where you get your big, heavy barley flavors, chocolate, leather, tobacco, earthy flavors. In Ireland, we do it one more time. So that's where you take that spirit, put it into the next pot and you triple distill it and you go all the way up to 82, 84% alcohol by volume. And that just cleans the spirit and allows a lot more kind of fruity, kind of exotic fruits, lovely smoothness to come true from the whiskey. So it's in the production process, Is that kind of triple distillation.
0: So you mentioned three tastes before that um, arrived when you have this distillation process. What was it? Was fruity, fruitiness like exotic fruits? Did you mention that? Yeah. And was it sweetness?
1: Yeah, you get a, a
0: smoothness, a smoothness from the whiskey. Smoothness, that yeah. was what it was. So what should you look out for in an Irish whiskey? Is that those tastes? What taste maybe exemplify an Irish whiskey? Or maybe a feeling?
1: Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's looking at the global whiskey industry. We have like a number of large producers. So we, of course, have Kentucky of bourbon fame or well, we include in a lot of other states in that as well. But a huge amount of American whiskey, Canadian whiskey, and of course, Scotch whiskey as well. Then we have Japan and other kind of emerging markets like Sweden and Denmark. Every country, we, we do the exact same scientific process. We take a grain that has sugar and we take the sugar out and the flavor out of that grain into a liquid, we add in some yeast, and that eats the sugar, creates alcohol and flavor, and then we concentrate it down to increase the alcohol and concentrate the flavor. So, for example, you could make 30,000 liters of beer from your grain and your yeast, but once you've distilled it, you have maybe 2,000 liters of spirit, or uh, how you say, new-make spirit, what we call it. So every country kind of does the same technique, but we have different kind of nuances to our production. And in Ireland, we predominantly would triple distill. So when we're focusing on triple distillation, we're highlighting the barley characteristics. So we're bringing out the kind of rich biscuity okay. nature, okay. the oily nature, the spiciness that you get from barley. But then we also have the yeast so we think of yeast as it raises bread and it also makes beer, which it does. But yeast also creates a lot of flavor. For us, for example, in Teeling, we use South African white wine yeast. So we don't use just distiller's yeast, which is kind of, would you say, the most efficient strain of yeast that just makes as much alcohol as possible. It's like the bodybuilder in the gym, mm, if, yeah. you, if you'd like. It's only focusing on making as much alcohol as possible. We use that to make alcohol. But then we also use the South African white wine yeast or Chardonnay yeast, which doesn't really make as much alcohol, but what it does, it brings in flavour, focuses on bringing okay. in lovely exotic fruits, pineapple, mango, orchard fruits. So if you are to compare that to the analogy, yeah, if you to compare that to the analogy in the gym, that would be it. Wouldn't be the bodybuilder; it would be the person taking selfies in the mirrors more. If, Interested in the flavor side as opposed to the actual uh, efficiency side. Uh, mm. So at Teeling, we use that traditional triple distillation in Irish whiskey to focus in on that kind of exotic fruits. And you'll notice that it's a similar characteristic across a lot of Irish whiskies: is fruit forward and just nice and smooth.
0: Fair enough. So a nice and smooth and fruity, fruity whiskey is what, what basically is a common denominator for a lot of Irish whiskeys.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd say it would be the foundation of Irish whiskies. But what makes mm. Irish whiskey so spectacular is I've worked in the industry for six years, and I'm still finding products that blow me away. Like people using crazy casks and uh, really obscure techniques, and a lot of innovation and experimentation. Uh, you can get that foundation of kind of flavor, smooth and fruity in Irish whiskey, but you, you don't you don't be shocked if you come across some very, very unusual flavors in there as well.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. So can you tell me a bit about uh, Teeling as in the history of? And
1: Yeah, I suppose when you're looking at Irish whiskey, you th- there's one brand which we won't talk about, but there's one brand that uh, <laughs> dominates the scene. It's like if you talk about Irish beer, there is one brand that mm. everybody talks about. We're part of the new generation of Irish whiskey producers in Ireland. So, looking into the Irish whiskey industry, it's a little known fact that Ireland used to dominate the world in whiskey production during the 17th and 18th century. You would have had mm. 37 distilleries in Dublin, where we're based, and you would have had, there's no real record, but a huge number of whiskey distilleries, upwards of several hundred of them across the country, both illegal and legal distilleries outputting about 60% of the entire global trade of whiskey. So huge amount in the 17th and 18th century. And we can actually trace all the way back in our family about 1782, uh, a descendant called Walter Teeling, our descendant, yeah, ancestor ancestor i always get them mixed up an ancestor uh walter teeling who would have distilled in dublin all the way back to 1782 so there's a long route in the family and whiskey distilling a, a lot of history there but yeah. where we kind of would have come in would have been with the opening of our distillery in dublin in 2015 so uh, the whole entire irish whiskey industry unfortunately collapsed in the 19th century and the 20th century. So we went from a couple of hundred distilleries to two distilleries operating in Ireland. Went from 60% okay. to 2% of the world's supply. So a major collapse due to a number of reasons, like independence, World War One, World War Two, prohibition, and just a lot of factors decimate. Mm, of course, yeah. So the Teeling family came in in uh, the 1980s, opening up the Cooley Whiskey Distillery in uh county Louth, so that would have broken up the monopoly industry in ireland with bush mills and jemison and that was owned by john teeling so john teeling and his sons jack and stephen ran that distillery until they sold it in 2008 and john went on and opened his own distillery and jack and stephen the owners two brothers of the sons of john teeling uh, would have opened the teeling whiskey distillery in dublin in 2015 so that became the first new distillery to open in dublin in 125 years so we just turned seven recently within this year fair enough
0: that's that's kind of impressive so so there is definitely a lineage a heritage to teeling dating all the way back to the 1700s
1: yeah we can we can trace it back and where our distillery is in the center of dublin so we're in Newmarket Square. So we're just stone's throw away from, like, just say like, Guinness, St Patrick's Cathedral, Stephen's Green, Trinity College, walking distance from everywhere in Dublin. And just five minutes down the road on a place called Marable Lane was where the earliest trace of whiskey distilling in the family can be based. So that is, this uh, oh, wow. it would have been beside the William Jemson Distillery, which is uh, John Jemson's of Jemson fame, uh, brother. Who would have added a distillery there back in the uh, okay. 18th century
0: fair enough but now you say you have a distillery and obviously you have tours so what do you experience when you come and do a tour of uh, the teeling distillery
1: our distilleries when you're creating a whiskey brand ultimately the product has to taste good that's the number one priority and that's our number one priority is to if you can't stand behind the liquid then you don't really have a brand. so We focus on the distillery foremost. That is our number one kind of concern is make sure the distillery is running and it's creating award-winning world-best liquid. That is our focus. And that comes across really well on the tour because we're almost a distillery with a visitor center kind of tagged onto it. So it's kind of grown into its own beast. But when you come to the tour, you kind of start off, And you learn about the history of Dublin distilling. So about Irish whiskey as well. Give a little bit of foundation. And we used to spend maybe 10, 15 minutes talking about the ye old days of Irish whiskey and uh, what came before. But now we've kind of shifted where we spend more time now on the actual distillery because we can give the information of the past, but what's more important to us is the future. Where is Irish whiskey going what That's how interesting like Bella. so we've redone our exhibition space so people get to learn about it in a better way so that we can focus more time on the distillery so once you leave our lovely air-conditioned exhibition space where you learn about the history from your tour guide and all the information's up on the wall you go into a fully functioning distillery it's hot it's noisy. It smells like whatever we're making at the time. And we make a lot of different products. So one day it could smell like sweet fruits. The other day, really malty. The other day, smoky. It really depends on what we're doing. Oh, so the garden Yeah, yeah. It, and it com- continuously changes. So we get a lot of repeat visitors because it's it always is different of what we're doing. But you're on the distillery floor and you get to see straight and almost touch them the actual equipment while they're actually working now can't touch everything because some stuff is very very hot but you get to experience all and use the marketing lingo on this the the sights the sounds and the smells of a fully functioning distillery so you will see our distillers working around so if you're looking into it's
0: a very it's a very genuine experience
1: yeah, it's not. But it's not behind glass, protective glass things. And there's not like high vis jackets and like hard hats and all that. Like it's oh. uh, you're you're in the distillery if you're looking into You're on the
0: production floor.
1: Yeah, on the production floor. So if you're looking into the fermenter and you're getting the smell of all the wash that we're making, uh, brewing away and all the lovely aromas that are coming up. If one of our distillers needs to come and take a sample, he will just go, sorry, do you mind? I need to get this sample. And you'll see them getting the sample, you see them working, you'll we we it's a fully immersive experience and that was really important to us that if people don't want to see a kind of museum or a reconstruction of something. They want to see the real thing with all the the kinks and blemishes, if you will.
0: Yeah, the, the true experience, the yeah. authentic experience. Yeah,
1: so that's that's very much in the heart of what we do. It can be a bit noisy in the summertime, it's very warm. In the wintertime, it's very nice because it's nice and warm in there. So uh, it is a true experience.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. But it it sounds fantastic, though. But you mentioned that there would be, well, depending on which whiskey you're making each day, then what is the difference between the whiskeys or whiskey types, maybe?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of different styles of whiskey. And our ethos is to push the boundaries. So we don't want to make more the same so we could go out and we could mm. make a Jameson. We could make a carbon copy of Jameson, make it taste as much like that, and then sell it. We probably would sell a few bottles. We know how to make whiskey, but that's not ownable. We, we mm. that's not something that we can say this is ours. That's not something that we can be like kind of really uh, immerse ourselves in. So we focus on like innovation, experimentation. So we make. kind of core range of whiskey so blended whiskey which is malt and grain we make a grain based whiskey so that would be corn Uh, we also make a single malt whiskey which is uh, 100% malted barley we also make a single pot still whiskey so that is unmalted barley and malted barley so that'd be barley directly from the field it hasn't been broken down to release the sugars it's a very uh, quintessential Irish style of whiskey and it it's almost like the cognac of Ireland, if you call it like that is a oh. ge- geographically protected term.
0: OK, so so let me see if I get the difference here. Uh, might be wrong now. Um, so, so in the blended, you take the two different grain sorts and you mix them together after distillation? Yes,
1: yeah, so after distillation. Oh, and both. the
0: single pot, you take both grain sorts, put them together, ferment, and distill yep. all at once. OK.
1: Yeah. And then we also make a peated malt as well, so a smoky style of whiskey. Plus, then we have a lot of experimental grains that we use, such as kind of crystal malt, chocolate malt, crystal rye, rye. More of the craft beer guys would know those type of terms. They haven't traditionally been used in whiskey, but we're using them just to see what flavor comes out of them. And uh, it's really it keeps us passionate about what we're doing. And then we'll use multiple different styles of uh, yeast. We'll use both double and triple, predominantly triple distillation but we do a little bit of double because it's nice mm-hmm. to have both options and then as yeah. it stands as of a month ago number could have gone up because it's always gone up but uh we're in 150 well over 150 varieties of casks so from uh, as you'll know akavit uh we're right. also in uh, rosé casks ambrana cachaça casks Ginger beer casks, pineapple casks, cherry wood casks, uh, Baltic porter casks. If you can think of a style of cask, we're probably in that.
0: I have to ask, how do you pair a cask to a distilled product? Um, am terribly curious here.
1: We, so we'd work with a lot of collaboration. So like we we travel and we go to whiskey fairs all over the world. So whether or not it be in Singapore or the States or Australia or Germany or UK, we're always represented at trade shows, basically working with like-minded individuals. And they're like, they know what we do. We know what they do. We start sharing whiskeys, maybe have a drink afterwards. And then we start chatting about, Hey, let's work with each other. So a good mm. example of that would be plantation. Um, so Alexander Gabriel from Maison-Ferrand, Cognac and Plantation Rum. We met him at a whiskey show. He took our casks to age his rum in and we took his casks to age our whiskey in. <laughs> so we have a rum, Plantation Rum aged whiskey. And then we also have uh, rum aged in teeling whiskey barrels. So that relationship has grown to the extent that they got our peated single malt casks and aged their rum in it so he didn't know what was going to happen when he got a peated Irish single malt cask and put his pineapple rum into it because no one's ever done it before but through experience and also just drive you you want to do it because you're you have an idea but you don't know which direction it's going to go the same way when we took his plantation pineapple casks they're not like the bourbon cast that everyone uses where you know, what's going to come of it. You go back to it every couple of months and mm. you see what's happening with these casts. You're going back weekly saying, where is it at? Where is it at? How's it getting on? And uh, seeing how it develops and seeing how it evolves. And uh, that's, what's fun for us in the production. And it's also fun for the consumer who comes to uh, the distillery and gets to try these very unusual products.
0: I can imagine. Cause it, it must be so unique that you you have all of these different types and yep. all of these all of these different flavors. It sounds incredibly fun. But I mean, how long does it then need to be in a cask for it to be a whiskey?
1: Uh, so under Irish law, we have to be in the cask for three years. So before three years, you don't have whiskey. You have a put-gene or a new-make or a spirit. And some people do release that, uh, and it can be very nice, but... To call it whiskey or Irish whiskey has to be distilled in Ireland and has to be aged in Ireland for a minimum of three years. Then after that, you can go all the way up to 30, 40 years, and it depends on the casks. So we have some casks that we would know would age for just, say, five, six years. We know this spirit, our spirit, Needs five to six years in this type of cask to get to here now it, mm. I always say five to six because we might have a hot we might have a hot summer we might have a very hot winter. it depends on where the cask is in the warehouse It depends on the cask it depends on if it goes in at sixty seven percent or sixty nine point nine percent and there's a lot of variables every cask every year is different, so it could be you do it by taste as opposed to okay this is the actual year that is good and every cask is different so we've had casks that we've put in for just say three months and they've just exploded with flavor almost gone too heavy so we have to take them out and put them into another cask to calm them down and then we have other ones that you leave in and you're going it's not picking it up it's not picking it up and you're kind of waiting so you're unsure what will happen when you put it into these unusual casks for the bourbon and sherry casks that we use a lot of you, you kind of know how long it's mm. gonna take
0: then I, what is the what's the oldest cask you have i guess wh- which one has been yeah what's the oldest whiskey you still have aging that hasn't been released oh. i guess i
1: can i can tell you what because these ones are very very expensive so if i told you the true answer it would probably i'd be in trouble but the oldest that we've released so far is 38 years old. So it's a single malt that's been aged in bourbon cask for 38 years. Um, This comes from the Teeling family reserve of stock. So Mm. Teeling family has a large reserve of stock that they've been collecting from other distilleries and from their own distillery with Cooley back in the day for a very, very long time. And uh, the 38 year old, which I was lucky enough to actually try, is bordering around. I think it was forty-one percent alcohol by volume, or maybe forty-two, and that's where the issue comes. So the older you go, the more of the the more kind of age you get, but your alcohol percentage goes down. And the moment that alcohol percentage goes below forty percent, it's not a whiskey. Oh, so
0: you really yep, have to keep monitoring them.
1: You have to. You have to monitor it. So uh, I'm not sure how much that cask was, well, that bottle was. I'll have to check out that. See, we wouldn't deal with those quite a lot because a no, 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 very, very, very small amount of cask get, get released of that.
0: Fair enough. But it's good to note that the whiskey that you're smelling in the distillery, when you come and visit, uh, well, you'll you'll have to wait a bit <laughs> yeah. to buy that. At minimum three years.
1: Yeah, so we, we actually have our own whiskey now from the distillery. So we're actually an interesting shift where we're... Completely shifting over to our full single pot still, our peated, uh, peated malt, our single malt, and a lot of single casks. So what's amazing for people who are coming to the distillery is they get to see the whiskey being made and then try the exact whiskey that we're producing afterwards and tasting. Oh. So they you can link back. You can go, oh, the smell that I smelt in the fermenters or the aromas I got off the stills or the casks. I'm getting that in this product right now. And our tour that's guides cool. are very good at linking that whole process together to kind of. We want to educate people essentially on like so that they go to another distillery and say, "Hey, Teeling told me this, and I know everything."
0: <laughs> well, that's always the goal, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Oh, but that's cool.
0: So I I like the fact that you can you can come in and you can kind of experience this well the smells, beforehand, and then, you might be lucky enough that you can then taste it and and even. Get a bottle, you know, whoever when you return, yeah, uh, because obviously you can't get what you've what well, what's been produced that day, unless I guess they order ahead.
1: Uh yeah, yeah, no, you can't. <laughs> yeah, no, you'd have to, and I don't think we would take orders because that just gets very difficult. Yeah, it's a logistical nightmare.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. So, what is your favorite whiskey then? My, I suppose. Like, I, what's your favorite type? If that's easier,
1: yeah, it's it's a difficult one because like I've obviously we get to taste a lot of our own well, nearly all all of our own products. I've probably tasted more stuff that hasn't been released than actually is released oh. just from being up in the warehouse. But and we taste a lot of products from all over the world and meet a lot of people. The the Irish whiskey industry and especially the global spirit industry is a very very close knit community that we all know each other we're all interlinked we're all follow each other and kind of engage with each other all the time but i suppose my favorite whiskey that we've released is the wonders of wood uh single pot still because it just got it's just got a really nice story or a a really nice kind of background to the actual whiskey so obviously Nobody else in Ireland made single pot still whiskey, which is the unmalted barley and yeah. malted barley. The only people who were making it were Middleton, which would be Jemison, Powers, um, Green Spot, Redbreast, Methan Madness, the IDL Irish Distillers. So they were flying the single pot still flag solo for a very, very long time. And Dublin is the home of pot still whiskey. So when we set up our distillery, we wanted to really focus on making single pot still whiskey. So when we finally got our single pot still whiskey, we released it as a charity release initially uh, Mm -hmm. as a cask sold for charity. And then we released a core kind of release of it. And what was, it was difficult. It was always going to be an uphill battle because people would pick up the very established Middleton pot still that the whole world only had as a base Mm -hmm. and would try ours and go, these aren't the same and look kind of like be not inspired because obviously it'd be like, it'd be like if Coke, it'd be like if Coke was the only kind of cola drink in the world and you made a cola and they tried them together to go, these aren't the same and they discard yours and they just stay with what everybody knows. Very difficult to kind of compete with that. So we kept doing it and uh, kept talking about, well, no, they're not the same because we're not making a Middleton style pot still. What we're going to make is, Dublin teeling style pot still and we did a lot of education so during the pandemic we had two years of virtual tastings where we had a lot of pot still spirit we had on about 50 varieties of casks so we just started selling tickets and going okay guys for 40 quid we'll send you five single pot stills in very very weird casks here's our master distiller Alex Chasco here's our global brand ambassador Rob Caldwell, and let's sit on a Thursday evening for two and a half hours, and let's go through them, and let's see what mm. you think. Because we were like, don't know, like as we like them, but we taste whiskey every single day. Does the general consumer yeah. whiskey fan like them? So we had we called it the wonders of wood because they're in very obscure casks, like uh, ambarana in mizanara in cherry wood in ash, very unusual. Mm. Cast. Yeah. So that released two single casks from two different types of whiskeys. And then we did it again. And then we actually went and did it again after that as a global release called The Wonders of Wood. All from releasing our pot still from the distillery, doing a lot of virtual tastings and getting feedback almost as a focus group. And actually making friends with our customers uh, that we still talk to to today. And uh, we released Wonders Wood single pot still aged in Chinkman Oak three years after we released our first single pot still. And it won World's Best Single Pot Still at the World Whiskey Awards in 2022 this year in London. As And it was just great to see that like we had two years of just virtual figuring it out. One year of releasing our first whiskey and then it's back to World's Best Single Pot Still. And it was just a great kind of... Journey to get through that and kind of open up the world to this new style of single pot still. Well, I mean,
0: I definitely have to try a single pot still the next time. I'm in I'm in Dublin now.
1: Oh yeah, but it there, is in Denmark. I know for a fact it's in Denmark. I think. Well, it's then it's, I have to go to the shop then. Uh, yeah.
0: But I still want to go to the distillery though and, yeah. and experience it though because I love the I love the that smells when you're in there. It's just so fantastic.
1: Oh, it is great. But uh, the problem is, is like I'm still not immune to it. But it is quite funny when you go out and meet people afterwards and you just smell like barley and liquor and you're <laughs> like, I haven't been drinking. I, ju- I just work in the distillery all day.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. So uh, be mindful that that's the smell that comes with it yeah. with everyone that's with there. Do you have any Irish words or sayings you might share?
1: Irish is, is a very, very unusual language, but I'm supposed to link it into whiskey. Like you also, like obviously you have Sláinte, but I love the term... Ishkebaha. Ishkebaha. Because Ishkebaha is the Gaelic for whiskey. So it basically, it translates as water of life. But then when you go to Norway, Denmark, Sweden, you have aquavit, aquavit, which translates as well to water of life. Water of life, yeah. You also go down to France and you have Eau de vie, which yeah. translates as water, water of, of life. life. So I find it fascinating that, A lot of these three very, very distinct kind of, you say, heritages or cultures, you have uh, the Irish and Scottish who both have their own version of Ishkabaha, who have their Celtic backgrounds going back thousands of years. Then you also have your kind of Mediterranean, kind of uh, Latin-based areas, which go back again thousands of years with a water of life. And then you have your Nordic, well back. the nordic
0: is latin so
1: yeah yeah But as well going back even because if you go to old norse and all that kind of stuff you still have that water of life terminology mm. coming into it and i find i find that fascinating that even though our cultures are so distinct and our products that we release so to compare eau de v in france being uh, kind of grape-based distilled kind of product or pomace-based distilled product. In Acavite, you have mm. your potato-based infused with dill and caraway, well, predominantly potato, but a lot of other grains yeah. infused with aromatics. And then in Ireland, you have your barley-based spirit distilled, all called the same thing. I, I uh, think the it just shows the history that the things that we're doing today in the alcohol industry people have been doing for thousands of years they were we think we're special because of what we've done but the person a thousand years ago who used to make ishkaba thought they were special because they were doing the exact same science uh just in their own way i just find it fascinating that that goes across but yeah of Ish- course ishkaba
0: ishkaba i like that ishkaba you can hear that well you can hear how that has turned into whiskey
1: yes yeah so ishka means water yeah. Uh, ishka is uh, water in Irish, and it's uh it would have gone to Ishka, and then it would have gone to Wishka, and then whiskey,
0: whiskey, yeah, because yeah. you can you can really hear it when you think, okay, well, Ishka baha, and then the progression. It, well, it's not it's not a, it's you know it's not far fetched to actually hear that.
1: Yeah, and I suppose that comes from a lot of our towns in Ireland. Like you, mm. I'm from Galway, which in Irish is Galiev, which so it's obvious when an English speaker hears Galiev they go ah Galway. And cork, you have corkig, where people go, oh, cork, dunagal, Donegal. There's, there's a lot. The translations are quite yeah. simple. Yeah.
0: Do you have any tips for anyone wanting to experience whiskey in Ireland?
1: Um, yeah, I suppose visiting a distillery definitely helps. And there's a lot of distilleries in Dublin. Ours is just the best. Uh, no, there's a lot of different distilleries in Ireland, and there's a lot in Dublin. So we're up at over 40 across the country. But then we have five in Dublin at the moment, all within walking distance of each other. And we all do very, very different things. And I think coming to learn about whiskey, going to a distillery is definitely your first port of call because you really get the experience to production, like how it actually is made. And that kind of gives you an eye to do I like a grain, do I like malt in the same way that when you go to a winery, they show you how it's produced and then you can figure out if you like a red or this grape type or white or rosé. can it, They'll teach you to be able to make an informed decision. But there's a lot of good pubs around Ireland with a great whiskey selection, especially in Dublin. And I definitely recommend going out and asking the bartender. What's their favorite, or what do you recommend? I was in this distillery yeah. earlier. What do you like? I like this one. Or what do you drink? And uh, if you're in a group, all of you get something different. Don't all get the same thing. All get something different. Change. I know post COVID. I don't know if people do this, but yeah. If you know these people and you have family and friends, yeah, chop and change. Try each other's one safely, and uh, yeah, and like see see what people think because whiskey is definitely a social spirit so yeah. very much people want to share whiskey with someone else and pubs the pubs are a great way to do it the bartenders want to hear your opinion on a whiskey why you want to hear their opinion so definitely go to the distillery and then go out on the piss and uh try and remember what you drank
0: fair enough that's uh that's a good tip to start with there so finally last question Where and how can our listeners get in contact to find out more about what you have on offer?
1: Uh yeah. So uh our global brand ambassador, Robert Caldwell, always on these things when he does podcasts and interviews and stuff like that, gives my email address to get in contact with him. So I should probably start giving his email address. Uh but I won't do that because there's GDPR issues about that. But uh yeah, if they visit our distillery uh website, so we we've two different websites. We have Teeling Whiskey. So Tealing okay. Whiskey is the global brand that's distributed directly in 80 plus countries all around the world because you background information on the actual whiskey and the distillery. But then we have teelingdistillery.com, uh, which is the kind of focus for the distillery. So the cafe, the event spaces, the bar, the tour, all of the different experiences that we offer in the distillery. And then of course, the whiskey, and the online shop as well. So you can reach out to us on teelingdistillery.com. It's a brand new website, just got launched two weeks ago. So if uh, there's any Perfect. kinks or blemishes on it, please let us know. And don't review us publicly on it, let us know first. No, it's all working. But there's a contact form there that you can uh, send over a message. You can also book a tour on that. You can buy any Teeling whiskies and get them shipped out to you and anything like that. So Teeling Whiskey. And of course, follow us on social media. So we're on all the, we're on the TikToks now, the Facebooks, the LinkedIn's, the Instagrams. I'm I'm speaking like I'm a 60 year old when I'm actually 30, but uh, yeah, we're on all the social media platforms. So reach out to us there. Even if you send us a message, we're very good with responding kind of fairly quickly.
0: Perfect. That's fantastic. And uh, all I have to say is uh, thank you very much, James, for enlightening us on the wonders of whiskey and uh, the wonders of teeling
1: yeah nice no it was great to have the opportunity like our goal is we want to push teeling whiskey forward but we also just want to push irish whiskey and ireland forward so thanks for giving us the opportunity